Hello and welcome to Burning Questions. I'm Bali and today I have two amazing guests, Herman and Nicholas. Hi guys. Hey Bali. Thank you all and, for joining and, me. And, and Bali, I've got a little dog here, Kaspar, because he's a brand new puppy. So I don't want to leave him because then he might start whining. So if he okay. distracts me, you know, just carry on without me. Okay. Hi, and welcome to you too, Kaspar. Nice to meet you, boy. Is it a boy or girl? It's a boy. Well, so he hasn't decided his gender yet. <laughs> oh, I have a thing for... Okay, let us move on. So, guys, on today's episode, um, we have a question from Anonymous, and it reads as follows. How can a country like South Africa, with extensive government power and control, fail at so many things? Mr. Lorimer. Right. So the government of South Africa and quite a lot of governments around the world, they think that the solution to a lot of problems is centralization. Mm -hmm. That means taking all the power and putting it in one place. So you have a relatively small group of people making the decisions. And on the surface, this kind of makes some sense, right? When you think about South Africa, um, generally local municipalities are really dysfunctional. Provinces are sometimes a little bit better and, the national government tends to be a little bit better. So like if uh, you wanted President Ramaphosa to be in charge of you or the premier of Mpumalanga, you'd probably pick Ramaphosa, right? Because Mpumalanga is not exactly the best run place. So this idea appeals to quite a lot of people. And also it sort of on a theoretical level makes some sense, right? There's this idea that why don't we take all of the top people, the most talented people, the most uh experienced, clever people, and we put them all in one place together where they can make the decisions, right? Mm. And then we don't have all these red tape and bureaucracy in the way. We can just make decisions from the top and sort things out. Unfortunately, um, centralization doesn't really work like that. So one of the big problems is that there's a lot of distance, both physical and intellectual, or, or and, and, you know, from, from the people making the decisions and the facts on the ground. So when you tend to centralize decision-making, as a lot of South African government departments do, uh, you have people who have very little idea of what actually the real problems are making all of the decisions for other people. Um, and this can cause big problems because maybe they don't have good data about what the problems are. Maybe yeah. they don't understand how to interpret the data. And so they can make very bad judgment calls. Uh, we see this all the time with, with, uh, with something like uh, ESCOM you know, which is a very, which puts all of the decision-making in one place. And so if something goes wrong with that decision-making process, the whole country suffers, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of it being localized to one area. The other problem is when you centralize decision-making power to keep it decentralized, to keep it centralized there in one place, you need to make sure that other people don't get ahead of themselves, that you don't have other centers of power developing in the country, right? Because mm -hmm. what's the point of saying that you're going to put all the decision-making in a small group of people's hands if suddenly some people over there start doing things for themselves? And that means you need to put all of the powerful people together. But those people aren't always the smartest or the cleverest. So when you centralize decision-making, while you're trying to you know, put the best people together, what you generally tend to end up doing is put the most politically influential people together. And those people are often not the best at making decisions because, you know, they're there because they're powerful or popular, not because they're clever. And mm -hmm. the inevitable result of that 
is dysfunction and disaster. So I think there's an awful lot of problems in South Africa that stem from this basic idea, is that people on the ground at the lowest levels, whether it be in municipalities, in provinces, in communities, whatever, are not able to make decisions um, to change things in their lives. They have to go all the way to Pretoria to try and make those decisions. And as a result, we see a lot of problems. Hmm. Okay. All right, Mr. Herman and Gaspar. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm going to do the talking um, for, for the two of us. Um, so I think one thing that, that, that really people should realize, and Nick points it out quite well, is that hmm. power and control does not necessarily go with success. I think we have this human idea, all of us, that um, if, if only central command did a better job, life would right. be better. May I interject very briefly? Let me, let me, I think the way this idea is usually expressed, uh, John Robbie, who used to be a presenter on 702, used to say this all the time, why don't we just get all of the stakeholders together in a room and they can mm. just discuss it and then it'll be perfect. Yes, yes, exactly. It's it, and and we've seen this very much with 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 Ramaphosa, you know, trying to do all these conferences and you know this 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 governance by consensus and stakeholder unity and consensus. But the problem is, um, it sort of is snobbish and paternalistic and slightly you know insulting to the ordinary person to say that you know, well done on living the life you lead but we've got a collection of people somewhere better equipped to understand your life, the challenges you face, and the solution to those challenges than you yourself. Now, I think this is a, sometimes, in my experience, a very middle class. You know, if, if you're doing okay-ish, you've got a tendency to, to group the poorer people together and sort of think, well, you know, they can't think for themselves. Imagine, okay. imagine giving the poor masses uh, power over their lives. They'll, they'll, they'll ruin it. And I, and I just think that's, 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 a, I don't know quite where it comes from, but there's a very interesting notion in history or, or you know, instance in history where the poorest people with almost no education made incredible choices for their lives that led to generation after generation being better off than the previous generations. And that's the slaves in the American South. These were people who were by law prohibited from getting an education, you know, numeracy, literacy. These things were, were actively taken away from these people, the opportunities to become, you know, able to read and write and do mathematics was actively made illegal in many of their cases. And one of the arguments in the time of the, the, the around the Civil War, the 1860s, when this idea of abolishing slavery came about, many opponents sort of found themselves saying, oh, yes, I think slavery is bad and it should end. But if we end it overnight, these poor mindless people, what will they do? They won't know how to look after themselves. If the government and the masters, the slave masters can't decide for them anymore, what will they do? They don't have the skills, the intelligence to decide for themselves. Thankfully, that argument didn't win too much traction because slavery was sort of ended by constitutional mandate. And within a very short period of time, people who were slaves went to being free. But the problem is they were 
They couldn't read, they couldn't write, they couldn't do sums, and they were incredibly poor. Now, you'd think these people are, you know, discount them. They'll never amount to anything. Mm. But you see the opposite happening between the 1860s and the 1960s, especially in the generations descending from the from freed slaves. Every generation from the freed slaves, without the ability of getting an education, somehow managed to be better off in terms of literacy and numeracy and the amount of money in their pocket than the previous one. And that's because the poor people who were slaves, who had children, understood better than anyone else probably could that they wanted their kids to have better lives. That means bribing or convincing uh, the local Baptist pastor or Methodist pastor to, against the law, teach their kids how to read and write. And you see that happening every generation from the very poorest people to the 1960s, every generation for a 100 years smarter, better off, better living circumstances. So that is something I always tell, you know, uh, relate to people saying that, you know, don't think that the poorest in society are poor because they're stupid mm. and that they are stupid and therefore they can't be trusted with their own lives. Someone in Pretoria, some central group of experts must decide how to manage these people. No. Yeah. Freedom is actually the thing that in many cases makes life better. So the question, how can a country like South Africa with a powerful government with extensive powers be so bad at many things? I think it's exactly because it is so centralized. And Nick explained why I think quite brilliantly. Mm, okay, thank you so much, guys. Um, Nicholas, any anything you wanna add to that? No, I, I think Herman covered that pretty well. I mean. Uh, you know, you can, uh, I, I was giving a more abstract answer there, but you can look throughout history to find examples mm. of people who decide they're often very well educated or very well off people deciding that they should be the people to make decisions for others. And in almost every single circumstance where that happens, um, things don't really go well for either party, especially for the ones who are having the decisions made for them. Because yeah. at the end mm. of the day, if you make a bad decision for someone else's life, it's not really your problem. It's their problem. Yep. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. <laughs> Things could go wrong. <laughs> and I think, Mbali, if I, a way of approaching this question, you know, in, mm -hmm. in, in a conversation, if you ever encounter yeah. this argument of people saying, right, we need to get the best people, give them all the power they need, and be careful. People often refer to this idea of a dictator from Roman times. You know, I think they probably watched Batman the Dark Knight, uh, where, you know, if the if a city was under siege or something. Uh, Nick, you, you'd be able to, to give the proper info here. <laughs> there was a, yeah, there, there, there was actually, I think the best example of this was a American New York Times columnist, an opinion writer, um, and he once wrote a column where he said, if only America could be China for a day, because then we'd be able to cut through all of the squabbling and the decentralized power that, that gets in the way of us implementing change, and we'll be able to change the whole country overnight. And we'll just do it for a day. And that's exactly people falling into this fallacy. <laughs> and, and I think, actually speaking about America, I think... Cincinnati, the city in Ohio, was named after mm -hmm. one of the very successful Roman dictators, uh, King Canatus, um, who was obligated by Rome 
to you know govern in a time of great crisis and then who gave yeah. up his power and became a farmer in Nicaea I think if I remember correctly <laughs> and people often hold that as the example saying that would yeah. work but the problem is it's like Steve Jobs you know dropping out of out of college or university <laughs> one in a billion of yeah. these centralized powerful figures will govern well the rest of them right. will just compound the errors they make because they make them for everyone so when someone comes to you with an example like that firstly point out that's very much the exception not the rule mm -hmm. and then secondly tell ask them put them on the spot challenge them saying why do you think a remote government in a capital city knows better how to raise a child than a mother in a township because mm -hmm. that's the claim they're making challenge yeah. them with that make them uncomfortable and i'll think i think you'll see some squirming and some mm -hmm. uh, weakening of the position tactically that's what i would do mm. okay guys thank you so much um for taking your time and helping me answer this question um anonymous i hope your question was answered um and to everyone else uh, at home who has who might have a burning question um do rem remember to send us through to instagram twitter or facebook otherwise i'll see you guys next week Thank <laughs> you.